Chance. That's hello in Cree. Welcome to Catching Frogs. I'm Wendy Stewart. Thanks for joining me today. I'm grateful to the Canada Council for the Arts for their support of this project on my journey to reconnect with my Cree and Métis roots and to revisit the history of Canada through the lens of Indigenous women and their significant contribution. But none of this would be possible had it not been for the tireless commitment of Donna Sutherland, my second cousin, and the 10 years of her dedicated research. We begin. The Red River Colony seemed doomed. The account of what happened is recorded in Colin Robertson's personal journals, as told to him by several people, including colonists and company servants. The brief account of the disaster is this. June 11, 1816, Fort Gibraltar was demolished. I don't think this means taken down but seized and its pieces removed to Fort Douglas. June 12th, Bastion and part of the stockades moved to Fort Douglas. On June 12th, Robertson hid his trunk and private papers and wrote a note to Semple saying he fears the fate of the colony, but Semple replied for him not to return. Robertson knew that if Semple stayed in the fort, the Northwest Company and their supporters could not drive him from there and he merely had to hold his ground. But that is not what Semple did. June 13th, still throwing down and removing pieces of Gibraltar. June 14th, Governor Semple left Gibraltar without a house standing. When the last raft came down from that place, three rounds were fired to announce the destruction of that nest of seduction and rebellion. June 15th, fortifying Fort Douglas. June 17th, part of the stockades put up. Mustouche Botignad's brother-in-law arrived with intelligence that the half-breeds and the Northwest Company were coming in force and requested the governor to have his stockades put up and all his people called in. The governor treated the young man as a spy and ordered him back to the half-breeds and tell them he was ready to receive them. June 18th, one of the colonial servants was drowned in bathing. In the evening, a number of colonists came to Fort Douglas for safety because of the news spread by Moustouche Botignad. This vexed the governor, and he ordered them out, and that Mr. MacDonnell would camp with them, and they had nothing to fear. Moustouche brought his wife and child and camped within twenty yards of the fort, men putting up stockades. June 19th, in the afternoon, the Northwest Company and half-breed allies made their appearance and 20 passed by Fort Douglas on the way to Frog Plain. Semple appeared with weapons and asked for 20 volunteers. His plan was not to fight, but to ask their intentions. The men wanted to take a cannon, but Semple refused, so they grabbed muskets that hadn't been fired in over a year. There was chaos. By the time they got to McLean's farm, the enemy had doubled. Semple paused and sent for the field piece. I'm guessing this means cannon. The settlers tried to reason with Semple, but he replied, I'll take no one's advice but my own, end quote. He turned to Pritchard and ordered him to return to the fort. Pritchard did not. Bush rode up to Semple and demanded the return of Gibraltar. Semple seized the man's horse's bridle, but Bush entangled himself and rode off. The enemy of sixty surrounded them. Semple was shot in the arm and the knee. 
Mr. Wilkinson was killed with the first shot. Half of the muskets would not fire. Mr. Pritchett threw himself down along one of the dead bodies and remained there. Semple ordered the men to save themselves. Dr. White tried to run but was shot dead. Mr. McLean was shot but continued to fight after being shot until he died. Semple gave up his weapons, but they shot him anyway. Pritchard rose up and agreed to turn over the fort in exchange for his life. The Northwest Company took possession of Fort Douglas on June 20th. Peguis and his men brought home the bodies to be interred. Some of the enemy wore the clothes of the officers and men they had slaughtered, which was very upsetting. MacDonnell and settlers departed on June 21st. Pritchard was given a signed pass by Grant. Pritchard revealed information. The settlers were allowed to pass, but without any of their belongings. This is the events of what would later be called the Seven Oaks Massacre. I also referred to a letter written by Mr. James Byrd to the London Committee, dated 20th September 1816, of the events at the Red River Colony. I will mostly quote Bird from the points he made in his lengthy letter filed as B.60-E-2 in the Hudson's Bay Company archives. Robertson resettled the colony with the expelled settlers. Only two or three free Canadians and about as many half-breeds who did not oppose the return assisted Robertson. Alex MacDonnell of the Northwest Company was at Quapelle and not expecting the settlers to return, and he had taken most of the half-breeds with him to construct a strong fort with two cannons taken from the colony. The cannons to prevent the Hudson's Bay Company servants from purchasing provisions to cripple and ruin the expedition of the brigade. Mr. McKay was building a house at Quapelle as his had been burned but was ordered to stop and retire to Brandon House, or the cannons would be used on him and his people. McKay immediately wrote to Robertson begging for assistance. Robertson assembled his men and went to Gibraltar, the Northwest uh, Company House, and took control and took Cameron prisoner. Cameron was released on the promise he and other Northwest Company men would conduct themselves in peaceful manner to the colony and Hudson's Bay Company servants. On his confessions and promise, Fort Gibraltar was returned to him uninjured. The Northwest Company decided to let McKay stay, as a few friendly Indians were determined to defend him, and if they were killed, the Northwest Company could face expulsion from the Red River. McKay was allowed to continue to build. Cameron was making threats, as did MacDonnell, so March 1816, Robertson took Cameron prisoner, and took hold of Gibraltar, where he found the plans for the previous destruction of the colony and the execution of those plans. Robertson's finding of the papers justified his actions and found future plans for again destroying the colony. Semple approved of Robertson's actions that were done without bloodshed. James Sutherland was bringing provisions to the colony, but MacDonnell took all his property and took him prisoner, but then released his men. Semple was astonished by this. MacDonnell then proceeded slowly and cautiously down the river and camped a little west of the Forks. He then sent 70 well-armed half-breeds and Canadians and two Indians to camp at Frog Plain, so that only 15 men were seen passing Fort Douglas. 
Semple ordered 20 volunteers to go with him to find out their intentions. When they were two miles from Fort Douglas, they were surrounded by the whole party of half-breeds and the others who were all on horseback. They sent Bush to speak to Semple. Bush was insolent to Semple, so Semple pulled him from his horse. Some of Semple's men fired on the half-breeds who had been quiet spectators. They then returned fire and five or six men fell. The half-breeds were secure behind their horses, but Semple's men were exposed. Semple received a ball in the arm and the leg. He then told the few men remaining to save themselves. A few men made it to Fort Douglas. The settlers were afraid and ready to abandon the fort. Twenty-one died and one half-breed killed and one injured. Semple asked to be spared, and as they stood around him, an old Canadian named Francois Duchamp, quote, went behind him and with more than savage cruelty blew out his brains. This fell a man whose amiable disposition and agreeable manner had endeared him to every officer and man who knew him, end quote. The settlers then abandoned the settlement after seeing some of their relations and companions taken prisoner by Norman MacLeod of the Northwest Company, who also ransacked their property. The settlers went to Norwegian Point to pass the remaining summer and ensuing winter, hoping British government would provide security for them to return. So some of the details of the massacre were confirmed, while other details were included and others omitted. James Byrd went on to write in this same letter about the starvation of 15 men of the Athabasca expedition who were to winter under Clark in Peace River. The surviving men were reduced to wretched necessity of receiving food to save their lives from the hands of the Northwest Company under mortifying conditions. They had to turn over all the Hudson's Bay Company goods in their possession and sign a document saying they would not enter Peace River again for 12 months. Macaulay at Great Slave Lake was obliged to do the same. I learned a great deal from reading Colin Robertson's personal journals. I learned that Governor Robert Semple, like Miles MacDonnell before him, viewed every circumstance of which they were put in charge as a military maneuver, one that could be played like a chess game. With that view comes an arrogance of superiority, that pomp and circumstance will win the day, and those beneath him will fall in line. Robertson, too, perhaps suffered from the fault of not being able to lead by influencing those with whom he had to share the reins. He saw his way as the only way, and I do agree with him that to treat the Northwest Company with guarded kindness, and to understand and give reason to how the Métis and the half-breeds, as they were called, had been manipulated by the Northwest Company, placed them in that difficult position. If you were repeatedly told that you would be made a slave, that your rights had been stripped, that the goal of the settlers was to steal your hunting grounds, you would start to believe. And then, when there was no opposing voice of reason or kindness or accommodation until Robertson came along, it would be hard to be won over. Robertson had limited power after Semple joined the colony, and Robertson's tactics were undermined and often reversed. I'm not sure in what I have read of Semple that I even understand where Semple was coming from, and we can't know those details. All our perception of that time in history are based on supposition, backed by the accounts we are able to read. Semple could only right a wrong by throwing back the curtain to expose the truth, 
but he was young and inexperienced. According to the Canadian Dictionary of Biography, there are no definitive clues as to why the Earl of Selkirk chose Semple and what he saw in him that might benefit the colony. It may have just been Semple's affluent upbringing and his experience of having travelled the world, but he had never served in a position such as governor of all Hudson's Bay Company lands. Semple was influenced by his officers Burke and MacDonnell, who didn't seem for a moment to consider the real people involved in this difficult situation. The truth of this would not become known, Robertson wrote. Reading Robertson's journals reminded me again to consider who is telling the story of what happened. As I researched these Northwest Company players in the destruction of the Red River Colony, I found them almost decorated and hardly a mention of their transgressions, which brings us to the departure of Colin Robertson from the Red River Colony. As Robertson made his way to York, he notes his impression of Governor Semple and speaks highly of him and feels if he had the opportunity for more experience, he would change for the better in how business is conducted. On June 21st, Robertson arrived at the spot where a year before he met the settlers who were ready to return to England. He wrote, quote, I never undertook anything where I was more anxious to succeed than that of placing these people on a soil where nature had done so much to make them happy. End quote. Robertson wrote extensively of the company's 15 servants starved to death in Peace River due to the actions of the Northwest Company. All the tactics of that company and its men were about reducing the Hudson's Bay Company and had little to do with how they could better conduct their own business. In a letter, the Northwest Company talked of physically punishing two Indians and how from then on, quote, they were really good boys, end quote. He wrote pages of the Northwest Company bragging about starving these men to death, and in the Northwest Company letters, they wrote the brutal starvation served the company well. On his journey to York Factory, he wrote of all the details he noticed of how things could be improved and strengthened within the company's business. He wrote about Oxford House and it being, quote, one of the most pleasant situations I ever met within this country. Indeed, the lake altogether appears richer and the land more susceptible of cultivation of any spot I have seen since I left Red River. The house is situate at the entrance of Trout River, end quote. William Sinclair built this post for he and Nahue and their family. Robertson arrived at York on July 8, 1816, and was distressed to see that Cameron was allowed to walk freely around the fort and could converse and continue to spread his lies of his innocence and the actions he took at the Red River Colony to undermine its safety and success. On July 11th, he received, quote, the melancholy news of Semple's death and the destruction of the colony. He went on to say, The documents in our possession will drag the Northwest Company from under the ruins and place them before the public, decorated in all their diabolical colors. He quoted a letter written by Alexander MacDonnell to Cameron, A storm is gathering in the North, ready to burst on the rascals who deserve it. Little do they know their situation. Last year was but a joke. The new nation under their leaders are coming forward to clear their native soil of intruders and assassins. End quote. 
Cuthbert Grant writes of ruining the colony, but staying this time so the colonists can't return as they did last year. The Northwest Company created an Indian manifesto and then had an Indian spread the word, circulating it among the colonists. Cameron arrived at the colony in the fall of 1814, and from then on his focus was the failure and destruction of the Red River Colony. On July 27th, Robertson was at the Winnipeg settlement and, quote, visited the unfortunate colonists. It was a painful interview. They all seemed resolved to go home, but will wait until the 10th of August for Lord Selkirk, end quote. Mrs. Boyle sent for him. She was given a packet of his missing letters from Mrs. Stewart, who found them in the deceased Dr. White's clothing. Mr. Macdonnell hid the private papers of Semple in a wide belt worn by his maid. Robertson wrote of the English Métis forming a body to protect their parents, and their numbers would nearly double that of the Canadian Métis. An English Métis man spoke to Robertson, asking how he might support the colony. Robertson spoke to Mr. Bird, and a plan was made for the English Métis to meet at Carlton House in the spring. Mr. Bird asked Robertson if he would attack the Northwest Company at Grand Rapid and seize the Northwest Company canoes. Robertson asked for authority to protect the company's rights for one year, leaving all decisions up to him as to where and how to attack, but Mr. Bird did not have authority to grant this. They agreed a fort should be built at the entrance of Play Green Lake and have two gunboats always at the ready. A petition was presented to the colonists to solicit the Prince Regent for protection against the Northwest Company so they might return to Red River and asked for redress from what they had already suffered from the Northwest Company. The petition was left with Macdonnell to be filled. On August 11th, Robertson was sitting on a beaver house writing his notes and wrote, quote, The beaver has rendered an essential service to the company. For if the water had not been collected by these dams, the boats would have had great difficulty in passing. Next time, we'll reconnect with William Sinclair and find out what he was up to during this time we spent with Colin Robertson. Hi, hi. That's Thank You in Cree. Hi, hi for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>